We are going to be in the gospel of? Thank you. Thank you. Now, this, uh, this is one of those, I, I, I don't have a style. I mean, I do. I have my style, all right? But some Sundays I get a little, little preachy, all right? Some Sundays are more narrative or, or some Sundays are more comedic, all right? And some are just teaching, all right? With the passage we have today, pastors are going to go one of two places. They're going to be back church, backwoods, what we call hell, fire, and brimstone, all right? That, that's one way to take this passage. Or they're going to be theological, a little intellectual, and, and a teaching, which is the direction I'm going to go today, all right? So this is one of those where we're going to go through several verses, and we're going to learn more than we knew when we came in, all right? That's what today is all about. So... Let's read first. Uh, kind of a strange set of a bunch of different things. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Uh, nor will people say, well, here it is, or hey, there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. We're going to look at those three words in your midst later because in a lot of your Bibles, it's going to be translated differently. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by the generation, just as it was in the days of Noah and also as it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. One of the happier verses we'll read today. It was the same in the days of Lot. Another brilliantly joyful verse. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Not, 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 not the happiest prediction there. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. <laughs> Remember Lot's wife? I love that verse. Remember Lot's wife. All right. Let's be careful about looking backwards instead of looking forward. Why? Remember Lot's wife? Pillar of salt. Dead. Gone. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Let me say this again. This is a different context for a verse that is repeated in other places. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. This is Jesus speaking. Now, I tell you, on that night, two people will be taken in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. That's not a mistake. There is a verse 36, but some of your Bibles don't have it. 
in the video, it simply has the number 36 and nothing. Interesting. Why? 37. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Strange. Strange. Where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. All right. There is a lot in here about what we call the coming of Christ, what we call the second coming, what we call the rapture, okay? For years and years and years, theologians, pastors, teachers, those doing Bible study through the book of Revelation have tried to define whether we are to be amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial, whether he will come on a rainy day, on a sunny day, on a cloudy day, whether when he comes, he will come and he will be like this or he will be like that or how is it will he come? When will he come? I predict 1990. Thank you, Steve Taylor, in an album titled just that, Y2K. We're not going to see it. It's going to end right there. Stock markets rose and fell on this idea. Strangely enough, it was atheists and agnostics, people who do not believe in the scriptures, who were making predictions about the end of the world. Most of them say that the end of the world is coming because of all the things that are happening. And the things that are happening are things that the Bible says are going to happen. But then they're going to be self-destructive. And it's not going to be about somebody coming back. It's just going to be because we're all going to kill ourselves because we're all doing bad things. If Sodom were left to its own devices, it would be destroyed anyway, but that's not what happened. God destroyed it. And so there's lots of guessing and lots of assuming and lots of wondering and lots of people spending lots of time trying to get answers, you ready, that we don't know. The best thing that I can tell you today is sometimes you need to be okay with not knowing. Faith is kind of a requirement in this whole journey. If you knew everything, you would be God. I have a word from the Lord for you. There is a God. You aren't Him. You're welcome. Do not spend time. Spend time. Yes, all the time that you have. Time. Do not spend time trying to discern the undiscernible. Why would Jesus have said, no man will know the day or the hour if he had any intention of man trying to figure out the day or the hour. Craig, but isn't it possible that someday somebody could say a day and Jesus could come back on that day? Yes, I leave you with blind squirrel and nut. Maybe not King James, but it made the point. No man knows the day or the hour. Don't spend your time on the trivial. Let's figure out what's most important about this. And it's two words long. Be 
Ready. B. Ready. On being asked by the Pharisees. So, the, the, the passage doesn't give us what it normally gives us. Normally we get the Pharisees were trying to trick him or the Pharisees were uh, upset or the Pharisees came and muttered and then Jesus responds even when they weren't asking him, right? But here it seems to be that there's a dialogue going on. However, we know there was a strained relationship between the Pharisees and Jesus. So knowing that there may or may not have been a little bit of tension, probably not a lot of give and take joy, but likely a little bit of Attention. When he, they say, the Pharisees say, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, here's what Jesus is trying to say. You guys are so set on your rules and your regulations. You're so set on because you are teacher, you need to have full understanding. And so you need to define the parameters of the kingdom of God. You need to be able to say that the gold streets are gold, whether you know that they're gold or not. You need to say that the sea is crystal, even if you knew the sea was made of crystal or not. You need to give the people something that they are looking for because that is a need in you. And in trying to define your parameters, you have blocked out your ability to understand anything. You, you think you know so much about me that you don't even recognize me. Let me say it again. You think you know so much about me that you cannot recognize me. He says, the kingdom of God is not an object. In fact, and some Bibles translate this, the kingdom of God is within you. You've heard that before. That is, in some cases, a true statement. It is a mistranslation here, and I'm going to tell you why. Jesus would never have looked at the Pharisees and said, the kingdom of God is within you. Because the Pharisees knew about Jesus. Most of them rejected who he was. You cannot reject who Jesus is and have him in your heart. But that is the foundation for what he's going to say next, what he's going to, what the disciples. Then he said, ah, this is why it works. This is why the translation is correct this way. Then he said to his disciples, as if turning away from those who cannot have it within, it's around you, but not in you. And there is the difference between life eternal and life not, all right? And that is this. Christ in you. I've got to stop here and I've got to tell you something that happened that was very difficult for me. If you've been here for a prolonged period of time, you know that by different definitions, okay, I, I am, I got to, this, I didn't realize this was in my pocket and if I don't do that, I will play with it now. Not the phone, but just that it's here. I know myself. Um, I used to be what people called an evangelist. All right, you travel and you preach. That's the name they gave. But I never really associated myself with evangelism or evangelistic. I didn't go in and see how many people I could get to the altar. It just wasn't my thing, okay? 
and I have never, surprise, surprise, been really good. I have taught. I have actually taught people how to do one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I have been paid by the state of Kentucky to teach how people how to do one-on-one -on -one evangelism, but I have never been a fantastic individual evangelistic guy by definition. My evangelism though, I can't say that I'm not evangelistic because my evangelism happens at my dinner table. My evangelism happens at, um, at a coffee house. My evangelism happens at, at, a, at, a, at a local bar if that's, what, if that's where the people are and they wanna be. Just like the woman at the well, right? And so some of you may or may not know that I have, I have befriended a few folks uh, at, at, a, at a local liquor store that have been in my home. They've sat at my table. They invite themselves over. I am happy about this. That is how you get to, to our table, right? You just say, hey, I wanna come for dinner. And we work it out eventually when, when, when the calendar lets us. One of these friends of mine, and that's all I'm gonna say, one of these friends of mine um, did an interview for a course they were taking with me a couple of years back two, three years ago. We spent about an hour and a half together. It was a really neat conversation that ensued from an interview about a class. They had to interview a, a, a religious individual for like a psychology course or something, right? That became a, a, a relationship because for a year and a half, they didn't even know what I did. They just knew that I was kind and I knew that they were kind. I saw them in the gym. I was kind, they were kind. Then, that individual and their spouse came to dinner. And then that individual and their spouse came and, and we, we played games. Then that individual and their spouse invited us to, to their wedding. All right. Then that individual uh, said, hey, can you swing by work at the liquor store? I need to do another interview. Yeah. New class, new interview. This was two, two weeks ago. So I go in sitting at a bar, being interviewed about pastoring, right? And we go through all this stuff. And the last question has to do with uh, some of the things of our faith, uh, 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 Trinity, you know, uh, salvation, all of this stuff. And the individual stops typing. I love this person. I've said that, I love you to this person. That person has said, love you to me, all right? They looked over at me and they said, hold on just a minute. So am I going to hell? <laughs> if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then yes. I don't know if you could fathom how hard that was to say out loud to their face. And the mood did change, not the care, not the compassion, but the mood. And then they used words I can't use here, not at me, like concerned, like concerned, and then worry about their family and worried about their spouses and worry, and I'm sitting there not mortified, just shaking my head. And I was clear. I don't choose. And that's where we make a mistake. I'm not saying that you do or you don't. I don't stand at the gate with the director's baton and go, you that way, you that way. I don't care about how awesome you are, how good you think I am. None of that matters. I've got it or I don't. That's not fair. I know.
but it's true. Now, some people would say, Craig, you should have followed that up with, let's pray right now and be sure. You don't pray somebody in if they're not ready to get in. You don't pray somebody in just to say, hey, I'm going to act like I've got a key that'll fit the doorknob. Am I worried that when they travel, something will happen? Yes, I am. But that's not mine. That's God's. I have built the relationship. I have planted the seeds. I have tried to help water. I have tried to be sunshine. God brings the harvest. I have to believe that he will. I have to believe that he will. But he says, then he said to his disciples, He's talking to the people who have accepted him for who he is. The people who actually have the opportunity, and let me say it that way, to experience the kingdom of God. I know a lot of people who've made the decision to have Jesus in their heart that I believe will go to heaven. No clue about the kingdom of God. No clue how to tap into what's inside them. No clue that the mystery of the world that God created is in them. Christ in you. That's the hope. They've just never tapped in. The time is coming when you will long to see the days of the Son of Man. You're going to have a yearning in your heart that you cannot understand. There's going to come a day when reality is going to hit you and you're going to realize that you're missing something. Let me be clear. I used to hear preachers say all the time, there's a Christ-shaped hole in your heart. You got a cross-shaped hole in your heart. No, you don't. Because here's the implication there, that you're broken, and if you do a little religion, lock it in, everything's going to be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. You do not have a cross-shaped, heart-shaped, Jesus-shaped hole in your heart. You have a yearning in your very existence to be with the one that made you. And denying that might make you feel free. But there will come a day when you recognize that freedom on this world is nothing like freedom for all eternity. And people wrestle with it. And the more intelligent they get in general, the farther they run. You're going to long for it, but you're not going to see it. And people will say, there he is or there he is. Do you know what that is? That's, that's false teaching. Jesus is talking about false teachers and false prophets here. And listen to me, false teachers and false prophets can sound good. You guys know full well that I don't call names from the pulpit in public of people who are saying things wrongly. But there are people in our community, there are people in our state, there are people in this country, and there are people on TV who are good communicators. Some of them actually probably love Jesus. That is not my call. But they are teaching things that are untrue. And things that are untrue are, by their very nature, false makes them a false teacher. All right? And that, that we can't do. And they're going to point and look and say, well, there's the Antichrist. Well, there's the Savior. Well, there's the Messiah. They're going to, they're going to have answers they should not have. But the Son of Man in His day is going to come like lightning. All right? Anybody ever done the thing where the thunder hits and you count? So the lightning strikes and you wait one, two, and you know, okay, it's about three miles away. I was taught that as a child. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I was taught. And then you got how slow, how fast, 
Bang, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven away. It's only like a half mile, you know? Counting too fast, I don't know. But here's what Jesus is saying. You don't look, you, you can wait for the thunder, but you don't know when the lightning's coming. You're just standing out there waiting and then, because that's why we all go, whoa, it lit up the sky. That's what's going to happen. Jesus says, when God's kingdom comes, it's going to be like, whoa. He even then jumps to, are you ready? All right. He says, we must suffer. It's not going to be like, whoo, here it comes, here it comes. Get, wait for it, get ready. No, there's going to be suffering. And people have been talking about suffering for years. Oh, guess, in fact, I saw it the other day. Uh, uh, Russia and Iran and whoever else and the leaders are getting together. And if you go back into Chronicles, you got this and this and this, and that's happening right before our eyes and they're going to attack Israel. Could they? Yep. Could that be prophetic? Yep. Is it? No clue. No clue. And I'm not going to waste any time on Putin. That's a really funny phrase now that I think about it. Waste no time on Putin, quote of the day. For those of you going to Mexican after church, that one's for you, all right? Why, why, okay, why? I wanna show you a quote. Let me, Preston, I'm gonna pull this and see if it's back up there, if it reloads, because looky there. So for all of the people who, who uh, say, well, here it comes, or here it comes, or here it comes, or here it comes, let me read this to you. It is a gloomy moment in the history of our country. Not in the lifetime of most men has there been so much grave and deep apprehension. Never has the future seemed so incalculable as at this time. The domestic economic situation is in chaos. Our dollar is weak throughout the world. Prices are so high as to be utterly impossible. The political cauldron seeds and bubbles with uncertainty. Russia hangs as usual like a cloud dark and silent upon the horizon. It is a solemn moment of our troubles and no man can see the end. That was in a magazine. October 10th, 1847. October 10th, 1847. Hey, guess what? It was hot in July. And yes, since winter, the world's getting warmer. Yes, ice is melting. Been doing it since its existence. Yes, the world may be warmer now than it was 200 years ago. I have no idea if it's warmer than it was 2000. I have no idea if it's warmer than it was 20,000. I have no idea if we've run this cycle once or 30 times. I don't know. Only been alive for 48 years. We've only been measuring it for a little over 100, maybe 200. Stop whining about what might be. The dollar will rise and the dollar will fall. Russia will be bad and Russia will be good. Germany will have walls. Germany will not have walls. Guess what's always been? Jesus. Guess what's never changed? Jesus. Guess who you need to experience what was, what is, and what will always be? 
Y'all can do the preaching if you want to. One of the things we need to understand as believers is this. We've got to stop uh, making it about getting out of hell. We can't do that. Don't scare people into the kingdom. But the other side is we've got to stop making it so lovey-dovey and so Jesus-huggy-huggy that Jesus can't be who Jesus is, that Jesus can't be the God that's going to come back one day. And there are going to be people who are standing next to each other and one's going to be taken and the other is not. There are going to be people working next to each other and one's going to be taken and one's not. And we get so intellectualized by this that there are literally preachers and teachers and theologians arguing about whether or not the one that was taken is with God or the one that stayed was with God, whether the one that stayed was with God or whether the one was taken was with God. I know what I've always been taught, but I'm going to preach something completely different right now. I ain't got a clue which is which and I don't care. Here's what I know. One gets Jesus and one does not. And the one who gets Jesus is the one who knows him. The end. Don't... I don't care if it's here in a field, in a bed, at McDonald's, at Walmart, or on the top of a roller coaster. Wherever I am, I want to be with Jesus and there I want to stay. That's it. That's the goal. That's the claim. That's what you need to be able to say. And you need to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I don't have more answers. You need to be able to say, yes. Yes, I'm scared for your parents. Yes, I'm scared for your friends. Yes, I'm scared for your spouse. And no, my fear doesn't change anything. No, my, my, the amount of time I spend with you doesn't change anything. No, how good you act tomorrow doesn't change anything. No, you're not expected to go from a sinful life to a saint life in 24 hours. All you need is Jesus. The rest will come as you invest in the kingdom of God. And it just so happens that the kingdom is in your midst. And for believers, the kingdom is inside you. Yes, just like the flood wiped everyone out. And it says, this is the great part. They were going about their business. Notice it here, it doesn't talk about how bad the world was. That's why he destroyed it, because it was awful. It doesn't talk about how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. It says they were eating and drinking. So obviously they weren't Baptist and buying and sell. I'm just playing and planting and building. They were going about their lives. Lot walks out of the city, fire from heaven, gone. Gone, not Hey, it's coming. Do you want another chance? Not, hey, coming back tomorrow. Might want to get saved. No. So the whole point is not run from hell. The whole point is not get your butt in heaven. The whole point is not figure out whether you're premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, whether this is historical, whether it's accurate, whether there are false teachers or real teachers. The whole point is know Jesus now. And tell everybody you can. It's cloudy outside. Might be day. How do I know? Jesus will return on a cloud. Really hard to do on a clear day. Can he? Yeah, he's Jesus. But just because there are going to be horses doesn't mean he's coming back in Kentucky either. B. Be and make those around you. Can you force them? Can you love them? 
Can you tell them? Can you pray for them? Stop answering out loud. Are you doing it? That's today's message. Let's pray. God, you know I have friends, I'm thinking of one right now that just evangelizes literally Jesus to every waitress, every server, every Starbucks employee, every Walmart attendant he runs into. And God, I have the utmost respect for him and I love watching him do it. And God, I know that I need to take some lessons from him in that. But God, I also know that I need you to grant me the patience and the understanding and the wisdom to continue to do things the way you made me to do them to do them over a stove, to do them in front of the oven, to do them at the bar at my home or at the dinner table or at a beach house with friends and continue to love and live the best I know how and show them Jesus so that they might want whatever it is that I have. God, our words are worthless if we're not living them, but our lives are, 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 are in Christ are, aren't, aren't all they could be either if we aren't loving others. And today's message of love is be ready and make sure everyone around you is ready. Once I've told you it is out of my hands, once I've shown you it is out of my hands, God, make them understand that it is each and every individual's call. Les has to say, I want you to come in. John has to say, I want you to come in. Olivia has to say, I want you to come in. Johnny has to say, I want you to come in. It's got to be theirs. God, I pray the people I come in contact with and that I love are ready because in an instant it is taken away and life either begins or, or, or ends badly. Help us be ready. Help us make ready. In Jesus' name, amen.